Welcome to The Struggle is Real, a show for 20-somethings that are trying to figure out adulting. I'm your host, Justin Peters. Each episode, we focus on solving a problem that we will face throughout this defining decade that wasn't covered in the classroom. This could include topics about our career, health, relationships, and money. Let's get into it. Do you know what's worse than being set up on a blind date? Going on that date in front of a live audience. Oh, and when I say blind date, I mean literally blindfolded. That's the concept for the New York City-based comedy show, Updating. Imagine live dating meets a reality dating show. This non-scripted show includes audience participation, brutally honest moments, and relatable feedback in real time with real people. Joining me on the podcast today is the producer and co-host of Updating, Harrison Foreman. Harrison created Updating with his partner, Brandon Berman. It was a bit of a mix of Harrison and Brandon's ideas, which you'll hear about early on in this episode. Harrison shares his highlights and lowlights of creating updating, and you'll walk away with insights on dealing with rejection, overcoming self-doubt, and how with a lot of hustle and a little belief, you can attract what you want to achieve in your life. I hope you enjoy my conversation with the comedian, connector, and creator, Harrison Foreman. So I'm curious, um, you're, you're an entrepreneur, a comedian, yeah. um, but I'm actually kind of fascinated. What do you, if you're at a you know cocktail party or just a party in general and someone asks you what you do, what do you say? I say I'm a creator, producer, and comedian. That's okay. usually uh, you know how I go about doing it. Obviously, the entrepreneur um, goes into it as well. But it is a really good question when you kind of, and I, I mean, I Google like job title. I, I get too obsessed with these titles, honestly. Like, what are you? Are you the producer? Are you like the host? And the reality, what I'm telling people now, look, I'm a creator. Uh, I run this big show. Um, you know, we, we just got signed by an agent. We have our own production company. Um, and I'm passionate about kind of telling stories and making people laugh and feel good. So that, that show is updating. It's a, a live dating show. Do you want to walk us through the, the show structure and, totally. and kind of help the audience visualize really what it is? So, so if you're listening right now, um, updating, like you might be, <laughs> what is updating? So updating the way we describe it, it's, it's a blind date in front of a live audience. So two singles, uh, my co-creator and I, we set up two singles. We act, literally blindfold them and they go on a first date in front of a, a huge live audience, uh, with a lot of tricks and, and tips and, and little things in between. So Throughout the show, uh, there's comedic commentary. Brandon, who I run the show with, he'll chime in with questions or, or you know, make it funny and interesting. I'll take messages from the audience as sort of like the audience host. So uh, we make it super. It's an interactive show as well. So people can DM us during the show, questions, comments, um, if they want to take over the date itself. Uh, so it's it's super interesting. And the way I would think about updating, if you're listening and, you know, you're going to check out our clips, it's raw, it's relatable. Um, and I, in my opinion, like it's a dating show made for this era, right? This mm -hmm. sort of TikTok era, this era of interactive live experiences, this era of unfiltered kind of programming and entertainment. Like that's what we're, that's what we do. You know, that's what we're trying to do. And 
Um, we've, we've seen a lot of success here in New York and I'm sure we'll get into where it's going next, but that's the high level. (laughs) Yeah. And, um, I I really do think Instagram or TikTok are a great place to really get a visual on what's happening on stage here, but essentially you, you half of the show they're, they're blindfolded and they're talking and and your, um, co-founder Brandon is, is helping with that dialogue. And then you have this halftime show as well. And then you do the reveal. What happens at the halftime show? At the show, we call it the halftime report. Um, and the halftime report, I'm sure those listening, I'm sure you as well, Justin, you know, you've been on a date, your date goes into the bathroom, you're texting your buddies, you know, you're texting your girlfriend's like, yo, I'm, I'm feeling it. But you know, that, that dragon tattoo, I don't know. Um, (laughs) she's ordering all these drinks. Like, what should I do? And then you're like, oh, quick, wait, I got to get back to the date. So we do that on stage. So you are literally reporting on, uh, on your date so far. So from going on the date, seeing your date blindfolded to seeing them without blindfolded. So it's, uh, it's truly a fascinating part of the show. It's sort of that, that pause, that, um, that moment when we can really find out what's happening. And it's for like the televisual side of, of updating, like having those kind of TV moments, we call them. It's really interesting because you get people who give their halftime reports, the audience, we've just seen them on the same date, right? They've had one conversation and the halftime reports we get often are very different, right? So we'll have, typically it's the guys who think she's so into her or yep. so into him. Um, so, you know, the girl will come out, look, I, I was real, I'm really into Mike, but uh, you know, he's not asking me any questions. Um, I saw him without the blindfolds on it, something about his mustache. Like I'm not, you know, nice guy but he's just a friend. Like I, you know, not a second date for me. And then we bring out Mike. He's like, yo, Brittany is, I'm obsessed with Brittany. I can tell she's feeling it. She's feeling it too. Like I'm already thinking in my head, not even, not even the second date, but the third or fourth date. Like I already know where we're going, bro. Like she's from North Carolina. So that's the, the halftime word in a mm. nutshell. And mm. then part of our show will reveal what they each said about each other in front of the other ones. So it's super, super awkward. Um, and then from there, uh, a few different things can happen at updating. We'll, we'll bring the crowd involved. So we call them date crashers. So let's say you're in the audience. You just watch these two people on a date. You, you're seeing them strike out. We'll bring you to the stage. So I'll call over to Brandon, like Berman, you're, you're not going to believe this. We have Megan and we have Brittany in the crowd they want to meet Mike. They love his Gucci shoes. They love his energy. Let's bring them up on stage. And this is when our show goes from like the dating game to Jerry Springer a little bit like a modern Murray, Jerry Springer. Um, and it's, it's super fun. Like I said, you know, it's raw. It's a long answer for the halftime for it, but um, yeah. And it's funny, Justin, because a lot of looking back and I'm sure I'll get into like my journey a little bit, some of the the segments of our show of our content are are kind of sporty sporty in a lot of ways right like we have the halftime report you have this atmosphere that's like you're watching a sports game and which i think is interesting you know we we have um all, all these moments that kind of bring that aspect to this kind of show was that intentional do you come from a sports background and you wanted to bring that kind of energy into the show or did that accidentally happen I would say it's a little bit of both. So actually the first ever show that I personally created was in high school. I was like 17, 16, 17. And I was a sports media guy in the beginning. And it was like funny shows and programming around sports. Um, My first ever show was on my my local like 
channel listing. It was the sports debate show uh, with Harrison Foreman. And Didn't I was you just to, like, get your principal. Like you had to pitch your principal on the show or something. Yeah, I did. It, great, great research. Yeah. Um, had to, I, you know, they turned me down. Like I, they were like, Harrison, go join the Jewish American club. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, this isn't creative. Like I need, I want to do like create something. And uh, I had to go to like four different principals to get this green lit. And it was super rad, man. I mean, I think it was one of my first experiences, like creating something or anything. And, uh, and it obviously just so happened to kind of be in this like media um, entertainment space. And I, I had a sports comedy site in college that I called ice the kicker.com. So we would just say like, yo, these are the top 10 dumbest athletes in sports. And yeah. And then some of it just happened organically because we, we don't love a lot of reality TV today. It is so like it, it's unscripted in, in theory, but it's still, I, manufactured. I feel like I'm watching something that they like planned out. And uh, part of the beauty, I think, of what we're doing, and especially what younger audiences want today, they want to see something unplanned, right? They want to see it happen in real time. So sports game, you don't know, like, that's one of the few entertainment properties where you really don't know what's going to happen, right? You have no clue what's going to happen. And movies, someone might spoil the ending, TV shows, someone like the album drop, whatever. But sports, and I guess like kind of what we do, like you don't really know what's going to happen. Yeah. So you had, uh, you created this sports debate show in, in high school, kind of the impetus or the start of your, your media, um, entertainment journey. Then you went to Michigan U and after Michigan U, you moved to San Francisco to work at Facebook. Um, you were working at Facebook and things seemed fine there. Um, but where <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to piece together the origin of updating, but it, it's complicated because it wasn't necessarily linear and or quick. Um, you had this, you had this project that um, I feel like maybe could have been the start of updating for you. You were doing a lot of live dating yourself. Like you were live dating your own show. What, tell us a little bit about that situation. Totally. So my day job was Facebook at the time and I was helping like creators, right? I'm like, wait, I need, why am I not, I need to get back to what I was doing, right? Which was kind of creating my own content. And I started this, this kind of funny blog where I would write about my dates and sort of, you know, um, dating from like the guy's perspective and, and did a few pieces around that. And then I ended up partnering with a a kind of producer and we came up with this idea for me to go on first dates and live stream them uh, on Facebook live. Facebook live had kind of just launched. It was getting some buzz at the time. Uh, and I, you know, I was just trying to do something to make a splash and I, my humor has always been like self-deprecating, making fun of myself. So with permission, I do want to preface that because that's the number one question I'm asked <laughs> when I tell the story, like, did the girls know? did they know? And yes, they all knew, you know, they were part of this kind of digital reality show. So I would live stream my dates, three parts before the date. I'm in an Uber. Hey guys, uh, I'm going on this date tonight. I'm wearing a blue sweater, not the black comment below because I, you know, I wanted to make it interactive. And then midway through the date, uh, I called it the halftime report then. We still call it that, obviously. I would go in the bathroom mid-date and do this halftime report update. So, hey guys, my date, she ordered a Guinness. Um, interesting drink choice on a first date. I'm, I'm hungry right now, but like, I don't want to order food on a date. What should I do? Like, 
like i'm like fam what should i do my mom's commenting she's like harrison like make sure she's like jewish and my (laughs) my friends are like dude like you got this like they're so encouraging and um and so i did this this sort of live stream show uh and ironically like we did kind of call it updating but it was digital only um started getting a few other people in other cities kind of doing it these halftime reports uh so long story short I did that. It was hitting for a few reasons. A, dating stuff. Look, anything dating content-wise, people are just going to click. B, I think the live aspect, the uh, the raw aspect people really liked at a time when that was starting to happen. Um, C, I think this guy's perspective people didn't really like see at the time, still don't really see at the time, or, or see today. Well, I'm sure we'll get into that. So you know, a few of these things were happening, and I'm like, all right, there's something here. There's something here. I don't know what. And I, you know, I was trying to find that big project to to really break in and do what I love full time. And um, and then I got hooked up. This guy, Mike Davis, who you're know, a good friend of mine, he hit me up out of the blue one time. He's like, yo, you gotta, Harrison, I know you're trying to figure out what to do. You gotta talk to my friend Brandon Berman, this kid in Long Island. He's the funniest dude I've ever met. He's one of the few people who can make me laugh. You two together, like, I don't know what's gonna happen. It's just gonna be magic. And they had interned or something together. And, you know, I had before this time, I was kind of like doing all this stuff. I'm sure you, you know, as well, you know, with your podcast, like it's a lot of work being a creative, you know, starting a creative project, right? It's a lot. There are a lot goes into it. And up until this time, I was doing it all alone. It was just so crazy. And so I got linked up with this dude, Brandon Berman, who is a stand-up performer here in New York doing well, doing, performing at all the different clubs, hilarious guy. So his brand of comedy meets like what I was doing on digital, my kind of brand and humor. It was just a match. We hit it off. The story goes, he was at a diner and two people were on like the shitty first date. Someone ordered a burger. He was with his ex-girlfriend and he's like, yeah, she's not in them. He's not into her. A couple of Eureka moments happened and it was sort of like, oh, wait, Harrison's format that he was doing on digital me let's pivot this into a live show right because he his brain was only live my brain was digital and so I thought it was such a sick perspective because it got us out of the noise and so we we put our brains together that I moved to New York to start this live version of updating called updating of course and we started this live show and we just had complementary skills as co-producers him as like hilarious like you know stand up host me as this dating guy this like co-host with him as like the sidekick and producer made a ton of sense between first meeting brandon and moving to new york what was the time period there so we you know we we were just launching stuff we were just testing stuff and so it really was a couple years like were you guys interacting on a frequent basis yeah we were skype skype was big dan we would skype maybe once every month or two uh, just do phone calls and, um, you know, yeah, to just random calls talking about creative ideas. And and to be honest, like there were a few of Brandon in my life at the time, right? Like all of us, right? I would call this guy, this girl, but this crazy idea. And, you know, we're just like figuring out what, how are we going to do something that's really going to, you, know, you know, break the mold. And um, it was dope. And I, I remember very, very well the first moment where we did have the idea of the stage show. Like I remember the exact notebook I used, I wrote across it, date night live, cause we didn't want to use the term updating then. I was in my apartment in San Francisco. He was in New York. I, I was like standing on my bed, 
like I think it's really for anyone creating something like these moments do happen and they're they're pretty powerful how did you end up getting back to updating from date night live it date just, night live was just weird lame just, first yeah, of all yeah. first of all weak right like just lame i mean i'm like reading this i'm like yo what is this like this is like so lame second of all yo this sick name was staring at us i'm like why like updating that's so fresh that is just fresh right mm-hmm. and the name you know obviously like dating's in there it you know your update it's like uh you're updating dating lives uh i also love the name updating because you're updating the audience right oh. on like how you're thinking you're feeling um so it was like yo this we're calling this updating not yeah. updating live like we're just calling it updating like hmm. it's updating. I'm, I'm glad you went back that direction i think the name fits well so you ultimately moved to new york you go out and start to pursue the live show piece to it. Tell me about the very first show. Where'd you host it? How many people were there? How'd you get people in the door there? The very, very first show was at, was not, was in the basement of a small taqueria in Tribeca. This way, Zona Tribeca. Decrepit, disheveled place, like falling apart. We had to schmooze the owner who barely spoke English to let us use his basement to, to do this crazy show. The room, I think only fit 20 people. Um, and we, we tested the concept. We found two daters, one, both through mutual friends. We're like, yo, just do this kind of like experiment with us. We're, we're testing some things. We're just gonna throw you on this blindfolded date um, in front of an audience. But I think we just did like $10 tickets or something. It, it was mostly our friends. We wanted to prove it out. Um, I remember the very first show. I also created flashcards. I, I felt, I like, uh, you know, it, it felt like a like a rehearsal almost, right? And so um, I created these feedback cards, which I was super pumped about. So I put it on every chair. What did you like most about this? What did you like least? Um, give me your email and t- you know, tell me what's up, right? And just to get some like, sur- like it was a survey, right? It was a survey from the show. What did you learn from the feedback cards? A, and this was from the feedback cards and like the reaction in the room. People could not stop laughing. The whole show, like the whole first show, like it was clear that this was hilarious, like even funnier than I even like anticipated. I knew the relatable would be there. I didn't know it would be as funny to people, like seeing these strangers be so cringeworthy and awkward. So like that was the what did we love most? Like uh, and they loved how the audience got involved, like they could shout things, uh, which I thought was cool. The negative feedback from the first show was not less negative and more like ideas like people we didn't lean into the blindfolds as much early on. What do you mean? So we would, the, the date, they wouldn't be blindfolded for nearly as long during the show. Like they would be blindfolded, barely blindfolded, barely. And then it, it would be mostly like a date without the blindfolds. So people like the blindfolds. Uh, and then as I, you know, I really thought about it, the blindfolds, I mean, just gold, right? Like, you know, we, we go on these dating updates where everything is very, uh, superficial you know appearance and these blindfolds on you are transported into another universe um and i i just thought it was so gold and you know like tv friendly so 
Yeah. So that was the first ever show. That's cool. Pretty crazy. Yeah. So first show was 20 people. Uh, the shows are much larger now, I believe probably like around 200 or so. 200. Yeah. We're okay. selling out to selling out shows, 200 people, wait multiple, lists. multiple times a week too. You do a Friday and a Saturday show for the most yeah, part. Some, a lot of, a lot of weeks we'll do two a week. Um, typically like four to six per month, I would say, uh-huh. uh, you know, post post COVID fine. And uh, what's whatever's happening now, but uh, you know, still finding that sweet spot, but yeah, no, nice. we're, we're doing like a bunch of these per month. I, I love some of the early stories of your guys's growth as well. You were such guerrilla marketers. Like I, I believe you like went into like bars with flyers and you were like convincing people to come to the show, just doing that methodology versus, um, what would traditionally be like blasting on social media and, and going that direction, which I'm sure you did a little bit of, but I love that you're just boots on the ground and like getting, you know, seats filled that way too. Oh, totally. I appreciate that. I'm getting goosebumps hearing you say that. Uh, <laughs> no, I mean, the truth is we, there's so much noise online. There is so, so, so much noise online, but yeah, dude, we were like, how do we, like, we just, how, how do we promote this? And we're, we're great. We're really good promoters. And that's part of creating project. Yes. You have to know the content, but messaging and marketing and promoting is like, such a huge part of the battle today and we were kind of analytical about it like we would go bar to bar we printed out thousands of these little cards new york obviously has a ton of people and i would look at or brandon would look at like a group of you know three people by the bar if we go up to them that's like 45 bucks right if we're selling 50 tickets there are 10 people over there at this big group table we literally would walk up to mid-dinner like yo what's up sorry to interrupt uh, we have the six show updates, blind date from an audience. Don't have to be single. Ton of fun. You guys should come through. The, oh, this sounds cool. Like when's the next show? Friday. Some of them would pull out their phone and buy a ticket right there. Wow. And it's uh, like, you gotta just do, you gotta do that. Sometimes I miss doing that. And I, sometimes if we, you know, we have the show during a busy week or something like that, we will still promote. Like we're always promoting. The promoting never stops. And that, mm-hmm. I'm in the elevator and somehow I'll, I'll promote. Mm-hmm. You just cannot stop promoting that. And I also do think that's part of why in the long term, I think we'll, we're going to be, we're, we're going to be in a really great place because of that one-to-one interaction, right? A lot of these kind of like A-list, like celebrity comedians, they get casted or whatever. They don't, we have this insane one-to-one like interaction with like, our audience that like, I think is unrivaled. It makes us feel really approachable and it helped us grow early Mm. on. So, yeah, I, uh, yeah, it's been cool. I I've seen, or I've heard you talk about some of the distinctive moments. You hustle too as well. (laughs) You have to, you have to work. You have to, right. (laughs) You have to. Um, so some distinctive moments from the show, you, I I know you mentioned you, you had an engagement in the audience during one of the shows you've made an appearance on the show (laughs) itself as well. I, uh, one of my, one of my favorite stories I heard you talk about was, um, sourcing male participants. And I, I feel like maybe that was a struggle early on. I'm, I'm guessing it probably isn't a struggle now. I'm, I'm sure you get an influx of people, but this particular moment was this older lady, older divorced woman that was coming on the show and you didn't really have a pair for her. Um, so can you tell me about the story of how you found Ernie? <laughs> Ernie, we love Ernie. Also that name. How funny is that? Name? Awesome. It's the best name. Like it just, the whole, th- <laughs> the whole thing was just magic. Um, so so we sometimes, for, yeah, for those listening, we do spin-off versions of updating Divorcee. We uh, 
do do shows for LGBTQ audience as well. So uh, we do a lot of spinoff shows. We did a divorcee edition. We found this unbelievable divorced um, divorced mother of of two or three. Her name's Mora. Beautiful, smart, amazing. Like really hoping for a second chance at life. Like we we found mm-hmm. her. We're like, okay, you are booked. And we could not find a guy for the longest time. Like we had men drop out. We tried like a 40 year old. He's like, nah, I can't do this. Um, then, you know, I think I found like a grandpa who backed out. We were just having trouble finding a guy for this. And um, men, as you know, as listeners know, generally afraid to be vulnerable, um, let alone in front of a live audience, especially older men, because they're coming from a generation where like none of this like emotional stuff was happening, right? So very hard for them to open up. So we had to find a guy, long story short, similar to the story about like selling tickets. We went to about 15 different bars in Manhattan on like two nights looking for guys. <laughs> like I would joke, like we're, you know, we're to the only guys that, we're looking for men. Like we're literally going bar to bar, like looking for guys. And we go to this one bar um, in like Midtown or something we're sitting there. We're like so dismayed. It's not going to happen. What are we going to do with Mora? Like can't give them her like a 22 year old who doesn't know himself. Yep. Um, so we, and out of the corner of our eye, I see this group of like five, like dads, like basically like a Tony Soprano, like barbecue crew, you know, you know, the type, right? Yeah. Like just like cool looking. And we went over there and they pointed, one of the guys said, talk to Ernie. He's recently divorced. Super cool dude, was the nicest guy in the world. Um, he, I think his only requirement was like, don't tell his daughter or something. That's funny. And uh, we booked him. So no creative project goes without a little bit of criticism and rejection. I'm sure there was a good amount of rejection when you were giving out the cards. Really interested how you handled criticism around, I believe you had a reporter that like sent you like a two page email um, saying that your show was like ruining society. What was your, what did, how did that make you initially feel? And how did you come to peace with, with that criticism? It's an amazing question. It's a really, really good question. I think, um, you know, it's really interesting actually. I, I mean, I'm all about love, right? And so this was the first ever, like, the second, and we have a lot of love for our show. I would say like all, 99% of people love what we're doing, right? Similar with The Rock <laughs> or, you know, any of these great, like Tarantino, like most people love them, yep. but it's impossible. It is literally impossible to create something um, that is 100%, that is loved by 100% people. Like everyone will have a hot take. The first time I saw this email, I, yeah, I'll be honest. Like I was a little hurt because I disagreed with everything uh, this this reporter was saying. Um, I don't think she had the full context. She was actually only at like 30% of the show as well. So she was there like 20 to 30 minutes. So I was a little, yeah, I was a little kind of upset at the, um, at the you know, at the critique. Uh, and then the more I realized, like the more I thought about it, you can't let, you can't like let this kind of critique or shutdown, like you just can't let it stop you. Right. Like, sure. 
I'll, we'll take feedback. Look, if you have ideas, sure. Like we've got a few good ideas from audience members, right? Who are like, yo, you guys should do, I think this would be a little bit better. And like, we've incorporated them. Like no, no project is perfect. I'm all ears, right? Mm. Um, this person was like really trashing us. I didn't like the attitude about it. Uh, but then again, I realized like, look, this isn't going to stop us. Like you listen to it, you get it when the haters come in sure okay but it's you know it should be like water it's water under a bridge is that mm. the saying well, it's gotta it's be like, right <laughs> that's right it's <laughs> water on a rock or something these are not stop signs they're barely even speed bumps it's a part of the game so for those creating you know if you've ever gotten like a negative comment or something like yeah and you deleted it or it made you feel upset look everyone has felt this way you just can't let it stop you. You just can't, right? And you you do have to kind of have a thick skin. The short answer is, you get. I mean, what choice do you have? You have to just keep going. Yeah. That's <laughs> right? a good perspective. I mean, honestly, um, it's um, yeah. It's it's a balance. You you yeah. definitely need to be listening if you see repeated patterns and 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 feedback or criticism that you get. But these one offs. Um, you know, it is what it is. And I feel like I've heard many creatives talk about their story. And the first time they start making some ripples or getting some criticism is typically the launching point for what is a bigger, uh, a bigger explosion in the long run. So it's really Love hard. That. Love <laughs> that. You know, you hear about these stories from, yeah, other creators and they seem like almost too much of a movie, right? Mm -hmm. Like the critique happened and then we, we blew up from there but we've kind of been like living it. And, and the reality is like, if you really want to do something that is different, that is groundbreaking, that maybe pushes the boundaries, that's not what everyone else is doing. This is going to happen, but it's just, it's going to happen. Right. I mean, like you said, there are thousands of examples of these thousands movie. I mean, everyone, literally everyone who, if you try and do something different or bold, this is going to happen. Not everyone is going to be happy with a change in the status quo. Hmm. So you just have to be comfortable with that. You're, you seem so authentic and, and sure of yourself, but I know you, you struggled early on, especially with this label of a comedian and, and being, you know, considering your, yourself a comedian and, and maybe even a creator um, in some aspects of your life as well. Are, are you a, um, past that imposter syndrome and, and B, if so, or even if not, um, you know, what advice do you have for people that are kind of stuck in that situation right now? Yeah, for me, because I, you know, I've, I think like anyone who does a few different things in their career, there's always that what am I kind of, you know, it, it comes up, right? Like, are you, you know, are you a marketer? Are you business? Are you creative? Are you a writer? Are you a producer? Like, all all these things are going to come up. And so this comedian thing, like reporters start calling me, obviously updates a funny comedy show. And, you know, I've, I've always, yeah. Like people are like, yo, you're a comedian. And I think for me, because I didn't go the traditional like stand up comedy route like that, that's why it like first threw me off. Right. Uh, and I go, I was like Googling like, what is it? <laughs> what is a comedian? And the reality is like, for let's talk like that example specifically like comedian comedian is just someone who makes people laugh right so you know i think um throughout throughout my life like i've always like i like just being myself like i you know i <laughs> i can get a chuckle right i think i like started looking at that i'm like yo you like 
there are eight, 20 different, there are so many different paths to get to like an end goal. Right. And I think that's why at first I was like, wait, what am I? And, um, you know, my, uh, yeah, my creative partner, obviously more traditional route, hilarious dude. He's so funny. And, um, and obviously we go well together. And I think, uh, I, yeah, the imposter syndrome was real. It was definitely real. And then the more I like got into it and, and the less I started, the less I, I overthought and all of this, like it just started happening organically and authentically and me being a comedian, me being a creator, like, and I would even talk about it in, in like therapy. I'm like, Oh, what, like, what, <laughs> what is it? And then like, Oh my God. Like, cause also when you have to do other crap to pay the bills, it confuses the mm. shit out of your brain. Like it really confuses you. And then ultimately what I did, Justin, like you, you, you have this wall, right? You have this metaphorical wall and there's all these things you've done in your whole life. And it's, it's cheesy, but like the writing is on the wall and I'm looking at all these things. And like, I've been doing like, like every, all those other examples, right? That funny, like sports talk show. Like I saw all these, like the writing's on the wall. Like I'm a creator. I'm a funny dude. You want to call me a comedian? That's great. You know, like the writing was on the wall. So it's like people view you based off of what you've done so you shouldn't have imposter syndrome because that's what you're doing right and i think every creator will always have self-doubt that's just again that's a part of that's a part of the journey the way to get rid of self-doubt the only way i know to get rid of self-doubt actually i guess a couple of different ways the best way is by doing just keep doing you just have to keep doing and then more people are going to say you're you're you know you're you're that thing so yeah, it's a really good question. I think I, I'm over it now and, and it's so freeing. It's really so freeing. And so I, I, yeah, I feel like I'm, I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. It's a calling. I, you know, sure. I could have checked out law school. I don't, I don't even know what you do in law school. Yeah. Ultimately, ultimately you, you could have stayed at Facebook. You didn't have to go the law school route. I know leaving Facebook wasn't an easy black and white decision for you. You were looking around at a lot of your friends in traditional jobs, making buku of money and deciding or wondering if they were making the right decision or if you were making the right decision, but you ultimately came down to the fact that you needed to make the decision for yourself. And I'm kind of curious how you adapted and balanced your desire to make an impact, which for you, I would yeah. consider making people smile your impact that you want to leave on the world with paying the bills because ultimately you, you do need to pay your bills as well. For me, I think like, uh, you know, mentors always taught me like kind of side hustle until main hustle or something. And mm. that always kind of stuck in my head, like, you know, to get your create, first of all, it's very hard to have creative projects fund your life. Like everyone wants that to happen. A lot of people, you know, it's not, this is, it's a lot easier to make a ton of money. It's a B2B CRM tool. Yep. that you know you're the second sales guy and it or girl and it blows up right you can make money in a lot of different ways but like i said earlier i think it's a calling and um ultimately leaving facebook i was not i had kind of reached my limit there you know i kind of learned everything i wanted to learn there clearly it's just not the place for me long term like i had that desire i was seeing traction with this other project and sometimes you got to just, you got to just jump in. Right. And you gotta, you just have to, you, you really just have to do that. And so at the end of the day, big companies, 
I mean, I don't really fit in as an employee anywhere, let alone a really big company <laughs> um, like that, right? Where you're kind of just, you know, you know, you're a cog. And I'm so grateful for Facebook. So sick. Like the stuff I learned, I got to see this from the other side. I mean, man, like I'm so happy I worked there, not Zenefits or like HR payroll, right? Yep. Like so sick. But again, at the end of the day, like you just have to take the dive. And I think when you have product market fit, that's when you take the dive. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's actually really interesting. I've been covering taking risk, um, on, on my show here, the last few episodes, I guess very much so just storyline and and project driven for the last few people that I've talked to. And and you're probably got a capstone this as I move into a, a new chapter, um, on, you know, the coming year here with, with guest, the risk paid off for you though. You know, let's, let's talk a little bit about the, um, the news that happened this month. So you ended up your, your show broke through, you signed with an agent and, um, oh, so you know, wh- where are you at now? So with nice here. Uh, we, we signed with WME, William Morris, like one of the bigger, bigger agencies, um, that exists for people, you know, pursuing stuff in, in entertainment, super, super exciting. And, and we, you know, we had worked with kind of like some of these Hollywood types in the past who have tried to help us, but really wasn't the same. Like this is for us, it's such a nice, it, it does feel nice. I'm not gonna lie because, of the support and the, the full team around us, right? So specifically with WME, you know, if we were actors, then a company like WME, they can really only help you in like one area, right? Like get auditions, right? For that acting job. Uh, that's cool, but because updating has a huge digital play, right? With digital, because we have a property that's gonna tour, we have a show that's gonna be in all these cities, because, uh, you know, we wanna, adapt this and we're in talks to adapt this for TV and we want to produce other stuff like WME specifically is the best partner for us because they are experts in all these different areas, right? So if I want to go ahead and write a book someday, like they have a book department, if we want to license updating in Jamaica, (laughs) I don't know why I said Jamaica, but you know, Jamaica, like that, they, they're, this is what they do, right? Like they don't just sign actors. Like they, they're signing Berman and I as individuals, which is awesome because, you know, long-term, I'm sure we're going to want to do other projects, which is great, but they're also so- signing this show that they think can be really, can be really special. And it's just, it's really rewarding. And, and it's, it's nice, obviously a lot, you know, now like the real work begins cause you got to make all these people happy. Um, you know, they, there's still a bottom line at the end of the, at the end of the day. Right. So let's, it's time to make this as big as it can be monetize it as much as it can be. Um, and then really build a career. So yeah, it's a big moment. And yeah, just a plug for like, um, the, you know, the mental side there, I'll be honest, Justin, like this article that we had with this announcement, I have visualized in my head for, mm. probably for like five years, like deadline, Hollywood reporter, like I lit, like even Berman and I were both, very much about like kind of the law of attraction yeah. kind of stuff since we started like two and a half years ago we would be like yo this deadline article with our big announcement our names in like hollywood like it's gonna be sick <laughs> like i'm gonna hand down the subway <laughs> and we would literally just talk about it all the time like yo i can't wait for this deadline and we would we would talk to these like crappy publicists like yo get us this and the reality was they couldn't get us this we had to go get it right mm. and so it was, yeah, it's a, it's a great moment. Um, I think this is going to be a really, really, this is going to be an extremely exciting year. Like we're just ready. So yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's so true. Um, 
I actually wrote down law of attraction as a potential thread to talk about with you because through my research, you know, I, I was hearing you talk about law of attraction on some shows two years ago, three years ago. It's not like you're just now talking about this idea because it came to actual actualization. I was listening to you talk about law of attraction, getting ready to have this interview at the end of November, early December, we had a push and then we pushed again because of your signing. And it's kind of crazy now looking back on that, what, what you've actually like attracted into your life. <laughs> Do you ever like oh, take a step a back and think about that? Oh, I mean, you're, you're too, too <clears throat> kind and getting emotional. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, for sure. I think like at the end of the day, you know, uh, you as well, like people who, you know, have, have these crazy goals, you know, we have these goals. Right. And um, I think, yeah, it's definitely, look, it's an, emo it's definitely an emotional moment. Um, we're still not there yet. So I have to keep going. We're not, we're still not quite there yet. We're almost like we're en route, which is nice. Like the analogy is like, we're on the plane, like we're in the air, which is great. I, where are we going to land? When are we going to land? But the plane is shot. Mm. No one's get like this airport. Our, we're on the plane, which is sick. Um, but there's still a lot of work to do. It's definitely emotional. I mean, I, yeah, I'm a firm believer in law of attraction. I, I've had some low, very low points in my 20s. Very low points in my 20s. Um, very low points. And I think uh, it's like, like I said earlier, like you just have to keep going. So what I'm trying to do with this moment, I think you have to do two things. So you have to a keep going because you know you if you have these bigger goals right like this i didn't get a 10 million dollar check in my pocket right like this is a great deal but no we didn't get that um but number two you do have to appreciate the moments too and you have to love yourself mm -hmm. i think previously and in the past i don't know if i would have like loved myself or treated now of course i like love myself but i don't think i would have like you still have to give yourself pat on the back, pats on the back, right? Like Berm and I, we, we, I think we went to like Nobu and like, sell, you know, like expensive sushi spot, like get the crispy sushi there, like and treat ourselves, right? Like though you have, you have to do that. I'm a firm believer in that because at the end of the day, my, a, a fear that people have is that I've had is like, all right, I, you know, I'm so stressed, like I'm stressed, like I'm working since it's like big goal. I'm going to get to like the end, end of the game. And then I'm like, there's still empty. I'm like, Oh, what's happening. And that's a huge fear. And I think like the goal is happiness, mm. right? This is a, the, this is a professional piece of my overall happiness. That's very important. Um, so the goal is happiness and you have to love yourself for these moments. It's the longest answer of all time, but um, yeah. And the law of attraction, look, for those listening, it, I look, I think it's like, it's my, I, I adhere to it. Uh, it's a philosophy and principle that I just believe in. Um, and it essentially says like, you attract the energy, you track the goals by like thinking about them all, all the time. Right. And putting them on your wall, making them happen, manifesting them. And I just, really really believe that for so mm. many reasons like mm. our brain at the end of the day doesn't really know what's real or imaginary yep. or my hand does like i'm holding this but my brain doesn't so you have to train your brain you have to like give your thoughts these these sick images like this deadline article this tv deal this all this stuff and by doing that over and over 
it it has to happen. It will materialize. So I, I just think it's like, yeah, I just think it's a very real thing. Um, and you know, like the other side of that, the mon. Sorry for going on and on with this. No, answer, go for it. The mundane side of this is like you wake up and you're like, yo, I really feel crappy. Like today's gonna be a shitty day. You know what happens? You're gonna have a shitty day. <laughs> like you will have a shitty day. That's also the law of attraction, right? That's the law of attraction we don't want because you're attracted. And I know me when I have some of those moments or like anxiety or anything, it goes into this rabbit hole. And I'm like, what are you doing? The only way to get out of these anxious things is by like literally telling, like, it's fine. Like, get out of it. I'm like, chill. <laughs> I like bought, I like bought like, um, I literally, I was in Woodstock, New York earlier. I bought this little like tiny book. It's called like how to stay calm. <laughs> like a, I'm a psycho. <laughs> I'm trying. So what did you, what did you take away from that book? I just got it. So the, you know, the, the cover looked cool. <laughs> I think reading the word calm makes you calm. Yeah. Um, but yeah. And, and you also have a, a digital fireplace going on right now. So I do, I, I do. Yeah. We can flash the screen of that. Yeah. Digital fireplace, Love it. which, which, uh, I'm curious to see how long this, this, you know, stays out. I'm a big music person, you know, jazz and piano and mm. stuff in the background. I kind of like this, honestly. I, I dig it Even too. more relaxing. Do you feel hotter with that on? <laughs> That's a good question. <laughs> Well, That's so funny. well, Harrison, it's been, um, an absolute pleasure talking to you. I am really oh, excited awesome. to, no. to see the next chapter in your life, hopefully, um, attracting some kind of Netflix documentary here in the near future too. So I can, I can watch and tune into that. I know if, if people, um, were resonating with something you say, if they want to check out updating, they can go to updatingshow.com to, for tickets and for casting there. You can also head over to your Instagram or TikTok. That's updating show anywhere else that you'd like to direct people. Definitely all the updating, uh, updating accounts. And for those listening, if you're not in New York, no problem. We're going to be going to other cities and we're also going to be flying in people who are really sick for the show to New York. Mm. So, you know, if you have any friends who want to be on it, definitely apply online. Um, and yeah, follow me personally at HT Foreman. I post writing movie racks music racks more like personal stuff uh yeah ch check me out there but no this was this was fun justin you're super super talented really appreciate all the research i i think you're 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 in route to some big things man so nice. really appreciate you having me on and um yeah i mean this was fun i could go I, on and on <laughs> i appreciate it harrison um i got a final question for you if you had for the sure. opportunity to teach a 16 week class to a group of graduating college seniors on a topic that isn't normally covered in the classroom, what would you teach and how would you teach it? Oh my God. Like a, like a niche subject or like whatever something? you want, man, whatever you okay. want. If it, you <laughs> pick a college course you wish you had as a, as a graduating college senior. Cause I don't know if I want to go the relevant to my life stuff or like just a weird interest. Or like <laughs> yeah. an, an interest. I, most people typically go like, relevant to your life or practical skill that every like graduating yeah. college college senior has but if you also have just like an off-the-cuff interest that you would love to like teach all right maybe I'll do, I'll, I'll do both i'll do both <laughs> so the off-the-cuff one i'm a you know i'm one of my subtle interests is like futurism for sure mm -hmm. um teaching a course of, on 
life outside earth would be really cool i think like i i think we just launched some telescope <laughs> yeah. i'm like people don't even know this about me like i geek out on stuff like that um so i would teach that would be like my niche like all the explanations on like how we're gonna you know astronomy life outside earth so i think that, that telescope cool. looks super dope too looks we're sick. supposed to it's get like, like the biggest amazing... history or something yeah. oh my yeah. god it's the, the web right the web yeah. it yeah, was yeah. the hubble yeah. Um, so that would be one. And then for, yeah, for my class, I would say, Ooh, how to stay sane and laugh during the start of your creative journey. What would something. be, what would be like a, a, a class? Uh, yeah. One of the, what would one of the classes look like there? Yeah. What would a lecture be? That's a, it's a really is it, good question. Is it lecture based too, or is there an activity is, do you... Oh, we would definitely do activities. I would say, you know, one day we would do a field trip to the woods, <laughs> leave your phone, bring a notebook mm. like that. That would be a, a fun field trip. I would love to have my class do. We would definitely do like a, you know, mindful a meditation workshop. I think that would be really cool. Um, another would be, yeah, kind of writing out like a mini, a, you know, mini screenplay would be a class like, and then one, one lecture would definitely be you know, I'm just, I, I'm definitely like, I'm a firm believer in no idea is a bad idea. So one class, I think it would be sick, like a thousand viral marketing ideas for your project. And mm. you literally have to write out a thousand ideas, maybe That'd not a thousand, fun. let's do like 200, but <laughs> um, that's a really good question. That, awesome. That's cool. I, and I think another thing you do really well is this whole se self-deprecation piece to it too. You just don't take yourself very seriously. So yeah. if like someone is just giving you grief on something, you're like, oh, whatever. They could be right. They could be wrong. I just don't really care. <laughs> yeah. I, oh, I appreciate that. Yeah. I think without a doubt. Yeah. That could be a class too. That, I guess in that episode we or that lecture, we would just watch Curb Your Enthusiasm. Like <laughs> eight, eight episodes of that and just... <laughs> see that see that's such a good exercise like we're just not as you know i'm sure and i'm sure other people you've interviewed like we're just education formal education still not quite there for yep. like what matters in the real world right and oh my god i yeah like self-awareness is the key <laughs> mm -hmm. it's the key so true but, so true man well, Harrison, awesome. it's been an absolute blast. Thanks again for giving me so much of your time. Super excited to stay connected with you in the future. And um, yeah, really looking forward to everything. Awesome, Justin. Thank you for having me. For those listening, Justin is your guy. He's the man. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. If you like this conversation today, be sure to subscribe so you'll be notified about new episodes. If you want to connect with me, send me a message on Instagram. I'm at Justin Lee Peters. You can find show notes with links to everything we discussed today at justinpeters.co. This episode was produced by Gabby Dimeke. I'm your host, Justin Peters. Thanks for tuning in.